TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. So now it's up to Devers. He struck him out to end the game. So we talked about Rodgers' difficulties between when he's rested and when he works back-to-back, but he got the job done. That highlight courtesy of MLB Network, Bob Costas on the call. Bob Costas, a legend, a legend in his own right. Judd Zulged joining our number two of the Score North First Place Twins show live Another from legend Minnesota. In his own right. The right. land of 10,000 rakes where the magic number is 18. That's Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill, other side of the glass. And I'm Rami Makloff. And uh, Judd, that was, that was an interesting and entertaining baseball game last night, to Hold say on. the least. Intervention. Oh. Judd, can you back me up on this? And Manny, sure. Manny grew up in like St. Paul, right? Somewhere thereabouts. Yep. So we got a bunch of uh, Minnesotans here, Rami. We can get, we got to correct you on your use of the word interesting. Interesting is a negative word for when you don't have something nicer to say. You say it's interesting. No, I meant so it was legitimately interesting. No, then you find a different word. Fascinating, compelling. I'll just keep it to entertaining. Gripping, entertaining a, is good. That I just was an entertaining to, baseball game last night. I needed to jump in and have a couple of Minnesotans back me up that interesting is not a positive I didn't know word. that wasn't a word for me to use. <laughs> now My you, bad. Now Are you, you serious? Know. It's not? Oh, you, you can't use I can't it. back you up because I didn't know that. Oh, in, interesting is like... I think it's like, a great word. No, it's like, oh, Rami, that's an interesting hat you got on today. <laughs> And that's like the nicest way of just slamming you for your Bears hat, which I actually think is a nice hat, so it's a bad example. Oh, thank you, sir. But my point is just that interesting is it's masquerading as middle of the road when really it's a negative word. So that's how to speak Minnesotan from a lifelonger. No matter what we call it, how fun was that to watch? And, and I tweeted yeah, I tweeted at, at six rip, and it's not because of, of the Twins pitching entirely. But I've been watching games from Fenway Park since 78. Six rip at Fenway Park is nothing. It's it's like two zip at most ballparks. So you knew that that was coming. And that was, oh, man, I just thought that game was great. I mean, this is why I, I get on the station continually and say, please, no more Tigers or White Sox or, or KC. <laughs> it, because those games aren't fun See, to me. I How much fun? No last more. Night, just to, how about just well, enough just, to win a division? I'm just done. I'm done. <laughs> well, you know what? Though? You, might be, you, might be good, you might be good enough to win a division against good teams. They, yeah, won, they, know, they won last night. They won last night. And, and was it flawed on both sides? Absolutely. But... If my fingerprints are left oh, in, are left so in the armrest of my couch of, after that, every Twins game, like my heart can't take that, man. Right, but they're not going to be because there's some games where they're going to get blown out if they're playing good teams. There's some games where they're going to blow good good teams out. But I just I love the fact, and it's not that Boston's this great team; they can hit really well. But Boston's not a great team. But that that was what we talked about on the Twin Show on uh, Tuesday. In the sense that that begins a stretch now of where you find out about yourself, yeah, like you right. find out about your pitching, and and we all knew that they could hit, and guess what, they can hit. But you find out about your bullpen, and the Barrios idea worked. They skipped it him, did. and it worked, and they're going to start to. So there's just the, the Tigers games. I watch them, and they get done, and I'm like, okay, what did I really learn? Like, like what did I glean? And I know that I know baseball fans in 2019 are big against, well, it's not like football, and you can't break down game by game. But this time of year, sometimes, guys, I say, why not? I think it's super like, fun. Like last night. Okay, perfect, perfect, nuanced baseball thing to me last night. And yes, it's a small thing, and yes, it might not be indicative of what's to come. But Thad Levine comes on our show on Friday and says, Max Kepler playing center field is starting to take its toll. And gives us this great, like, insightful, I think we are, we all looked around and said, oh, we didn't really think of this too much. But he's talking about if you're playing in center field, it takes more from your body, and it's tougher, and he's been hurt. And then last night, Max moves back to right field, and Cave starts in center, and you say to yourself, well, I hope this works, con- considering, you know, in July when Cave tried to play center at target field against the Yankees, it didn't work. And Jake Cave plays pretty doggone well. And Max Kepler gets to play right for a night, which I think, in what Thad was telling us, guys, is akin to 
something of a day off. I mean, it's stuff like that that I absolutely, about baseball, I love. It's the nuanced little things, but it makes a difference. And when you're playing Boston, it matters a lot. Yes. So for, forgive me for my ultimate excitement here, but... This is why I embrace this 12-game stretch so much. I see you broke out the uh, expensive scorebook for last night's ballgame. $30 scorebook. Between the Twins and Red Sox. You know what? You have a $30 scorebook? The Tigers. Damn betcha. Tigers don't get a $30 (laughs) scorebook. The Royals don't get it. The White Sox don't get it. It's like elitist sports Oh, my God. That's glossy and everything. It's it's very nice. Wow. Going to sign that thing at the end of the year? And guess what? The Boston Red Sox used every possible pitcher spot. That I had. And the Twins came one away from doing the same thing. They did. But yeah, there's just so many things about that game that excited me and I thought was great. And and sorry, but to me, 6-5 was actually more fun and instructive of things. Yeah, it it was. It was. We were talking about this off the microphone, Judd. This was add this to the list of great, compelling baseball games that the Twins played. They haven't won all of them. They played some good teams hard and lost. And then they, uh, they did lay down in one Yankees game in that series at Target Field. But... It adds to the pile of games you ask yourself afterwards. My gosh, that felt like a diet playoff game. Yes. That was last night. You add that to the list. What did you right. think about the Twins going opener concept? Randy Dobnik pitching the first inning, allowing them to bump Barrios back a day, and then basically, I mean, Lewis Thorpe was basically their starter. Yeah, exactly. And and he, he came in and immediately pitched really well. Tired out, I thought, a little bit, lost control. Uh, you know what? And I said this on the show on Tuesday, and I'll maintain it. Anything that allowed you to push Barrios back a start, I loved. I don't care if you went opener. I don't care if you told Dobnik you're throwing three. I don't care what, what the strategy was there. The starting strategy of we are going to get this guy an extra day, I absolutely embraced. Because this whole thing, and, and I, I heard... I heard you guys talking with Cunningham in the first hour about this and is the division over or not. And I think it definitely is. I mean, sure. you, you can scare yourself if you want, but I think it's done. But I have moved on to, and by the way, if they fold now, like we're going to crucify him. So that's that's just that. Target field will not stand. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to. Uh, so, <laughs> guys, I think where things stand right now is how do you line up starting staff and bullpen for the playoffs and one of the most important questions then reverts to, can you trust, because you want to do this, can you trust Jose Barrios to start game one? Sure. And and that's where I am now. So I'm not saying to myself, oh, you're going to play Cleveland. I think Cleveland's tired, and I think they're done. I think the Twins are absolutely fine. Uh, so I have moved on to this 12 games to me gives you a preview and a feeling for how do you stack up now Starting rotation wise, going into the playoffs, because I think are you saying we all can, we all can agree? Ideally, Jose Barrios would start game one, right? Are you saying trying to trying to evaluate and see how yeah. you're going to? Okay, I thought you were saying like actually lining up your playoff rotation. Well, how, like how it will? Th- this helps you evaluate that. But you're not skipping starts. That's to what, say, I, that's what and, I'm no, saying. Too I thought you were, for that. I thought you were actually there talking about that. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, okay. no, I'm There'll sure. be time for lining up the postseason rotation. I'm saying that... Stitch this thing up first. That these next 11 games give you a window into how you feel about who you're going to start and when. N- not, not on days, but game one. If we all have, I think, if we are all on the same page here, and, and I'm guessing that Falvey, Levine, and Baldelli are as well... We're all thinking to ourselves, ideally, Barrios rebounds enough to start game one, right? Oh, yeah. So now to Derek's idea, He's your guy. they skip the start, which is just fine. Very, very smart, I think. Now, does he come out tonight and absolutely shove? The uh, oh, And by the way, off last night, the one thing that I'd like to get away from, because I think, and he got the save... It was interesting. He got it, though. Interesting. See, that's how you use interesting, Rami. Okay, good <laughs> That point. is the Minnesota you know way of using interesting. I didn't even think of it, but you're right, Derek. It was Quite an more. interesting outing for Taylor Rogers. Um, I would really I would really like to avoid him at all costs on back-to-back Back to days. Back-to-backs, yeah. I just I'm would. There. And, and I think I'd be more willing, unless something uh, statistically proves me absolutely wrong because I didn't look this up, I think I'd be more willing to go Sergio Romo back-to-back than Rodgers, but Rodgers is so damn good when he's had some rest, and it becomes, it's not going to be necessarily, Derek, a mess, but it does become more dicey in my mind if you go back-to-back. 
I questioned putting him out there on back to back days. I really questioned, and it worked. And if you, if you want to if you want to judge decisions based strictly on results, Rocco Baldelli pulled the right strings yesterday. But I, the thing that really had me scratching my head and going, "Are you sure you want to do that?" was bring him back out for the ninth inning after the Benintendi home run. Because I don't know about you guys, I would have had not a quick hook with 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 Taylor Rogers, but. Having 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 him have had just pitched the night before, I know exactly where you're going. Yes, I'd be a little bit skittish about Taylor Rogers coming back out for another inning after sitting in the dugout for a half inning. Yeah, I think they basically treat him as like he's he's the end, he's the stopper. I thought we'd see Sergio Romo there after the, but I thought we weren't that concerned about that, especially if it didn't make complete sense, Derek. Right, I I just think they think of that. I see what you're doing there. You're setting setting me up. I no, I'm I'm saying. I'm giving in no, to, to how they think, so don't change how you how you think to how I used to think, because I now think like you think. <laughs> okay? I think that they are so confident in Taylor Rogers, even if he is pitching on no rest, that they view him as a superior option in all cases. Now, whether that's right or not, we can debate, and I've got the numbers for Romo and Rogers if you guys want them. I do. I think the mentality of it goes beyond numbers. And this is something that I'm surprised I'm even saying this as a numbers guy. I think there is a psychological component to you showing faith in one guy basically to the end of the earth, which is what they're doing with Taylor Rogers. In my perspective, has has any time this year Taylor Rogers had to look over his shoulder and see somebody warming up in a game that matters with it on the line? No, they've said, you're our guy. Go finish it. If you can't do it, no one can. Okay, but just quickly, that that's why I said my initial thought last night was objecting to him pitching at all. Right. So so I'm I, there I, with you, by the way. I get your point. I get your point. What I'm saying is and, and unless the unless the stats contradict me completely, no, you're good. doesn't bringing him uh on back to back nights invite issues. It does, and he is a, we're talking about small sample size here because it's a one-inning reliever, so he just doesn't have that many appearances with no days rest, with one day rest, with two days rest. It's a small sample inherently. However, with that being said, Taylor Rogers is a great pitcher, elite, top of the charts with two days rest. He's good against best parts of lineups late in games on one day of rest, and on no days of rest, it's just not very good. The numbers are not compelling. I, I don't like OPS as a stat, but I know a lot of people use it. So, to speak the language here a little bit, Taylor Rogers on two days rest, 459 OPS. Mm. On base plus slugging percentages like 450. Mm. That's terrible. One day rest, it goes up to 700. A bad hitter, but respectable. Zero days rest, Judd Zelgad. A 1,086 OPS for Taylor Rogers this season. Opposing hitters are hitting 328 with a 431 on base and a juggernaut 656 slugging percentage. That's, uh, that's Hall of Famer facing one of the best relievers in the game when one of the best relievers in the game is pitching on zero days rest. Give me Sergio if you'd be so kind if you sure. have that. Uh, five of uh, Rogers' seven home runs came when he is pitching on no days rest. Sergio Romo okay. is uh, same kind of story, but he's elite with one day rest. He's elite with two days of rest. He's elite with three days of rest. No days of rest. He's just kind of uh, okay. He's fine. Zero days of rest. Sergio Romo is giving up an OPS of 715. So bad hitter, but reason you know respectable. Like he's he's a big leaguer. These are the numbers for opposing hitters: two thirty seven batting average with a two seventy four on base. That's very low, and a four forty one slugging, which is low by today's juicy baseball standards. So your theory, if it's Sergio Romo is better with no rest than Taylor Rogers is with no rest, is correct. Okay, the numbers bear that out. Sergio Romo is better back to back nights. So why wasn't Sergio Romo used last night? That's a good question. Matchups. I, I mean, is that is that what comes into play here? 
It was a lineup that was set for righties because Randy Dobnik started the game, so maybe you go to your best lefty. And I saw him say after the game, even after giving up the bomba to Benintendi, saying, ah, that was a little surprising because I'm one of the best pitchers in baseball against lefties. Yeah. Roger said that after the game, and I love it. I love the bravado. I love the confidence in a guy who's sort of cast as the closer. Um, but I, I don't know besides that. I don't know if they thought they liked the matchups better with Rogers or if they're just trying to, maybe this is it, guys. Maybe you're spending September trying to figure out what you've got. Hey, can this guy improve on back-to-back help, nights, or is this just Help him? me out here, though, because I, I thought that we now lived in an era where the whole notion of closer was sort of dead. I mean, it's not that you don't have a guy who's going to have more saves. I get that. But it seems to me that you made these trades and set this bullpen up to keep a guy like Taylor from having to pitch on back-to-back days, right? Yeah, that's fair. So there, there's a case. Part. So there's a case to be made here that it really, unless it has to happen, which it did not last night, that it shouldn't happen. That's fair. Because oh, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to go through there thinking. Here's how I think of it. Because it does seem sort of old school by a very new school team. Here's how I think of it. Because I don't, I don't know exactly what they're thinking. I'm not in on those meetings. But the way go I ahead view and speculate, it, just speculate. Just <laughs> speculate. This is what Keep we talked simple. about. Yeah, thanks, A Rod. And I was told there would be no. Keep it simple. That's right. One run win, by the way. Odd number is not good last night. Yeah, that's right. You don't want that. Ronnie called me. He's very upset. What the hell is going on at Fiddle? They do it. Sorry, A Rod. Um, Okay. Actually, I just listened to a couple podcasts with A Rod. Shockingly smart guy. I I was shocked. He is not not a good game analyst. He's good. He's okay in studio. I like him on TV. I think I think he's good, oh, but that, that odd okay, run, go even run thing. That I just was, don't like. Don't him. try don't and duck it, the. Period. Don't try and duck this. No, no, you no, tell no. me what's going on. No, here's how I think about it. I think just exactly how we talked about at the state fair. The twins view October as you need to get 27 outs, and it sounds simplistic, but let me break it down. I don't care at all if the guy who throws the ball first gets one of those outs or zero of those outs or. 15 of those outs, or 20 of those. Okay, if he gets 27, that's great. It must have meant he was awesome. Gotcha. But I'm just trying to get to 27, and in a must-win game, not saying last night was, but in the postseason, it is. In a must-win game, Taylor Rogers needs to pitch. He needs to get three of those outs. Four or five Regardless if he's of rest. able. I mean, that's what I think they're trying and, to figure out. And bullpen makeup? That's what I think they're trying to figure let, out. Let me throw this at, at you in this light, then. If this is a puzzle, the Taylor Rogers piece, if he has a night of rest, fits perfectly. If he doesn't, it's an odd fit, and, and you might have options that are better to get those outs. That's what they're trying to figure out in September. Oh, I could help him. <laughs> I'm sitting right, hold on, I got my cell phone right I was by just me. explaining this to Derek. I, got my cell phone. I was just explaining this why, to why Derek last I, hour. What am I doing here? I don't know. He was, he didn't know why I told him Who's he should. Who's got Falvey cell? He didn't understand why I told him he should be basking in the glory of the Twins taking his advice and pushing Jose Barrios back a day and giving him the extra rest. I pumped Derek's tires more than Derek is willing to pump his tires, and I and I actually believe I like, what I said. You don't know how the sports radio game works, do you? Yeah, that club's not in my bag. So boys. the bullpen construction is starting to, to make sense, and now they're sort of debating it or la- laboring well, or trying to find out? There are some new pieces in the bullpen that I think they're trying to find out where exactly they land on the trust tree, if you will. <laughs> And sure. we'll talk about that a little Are bit. They on the trunk. Right after this, it's the Score North First Place Twins Show, live from Bobasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, where the magic number is 18, and we're on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Keep it simple. Minnesota sports junkie? Get your fix. Scorenorth.com. Fly ball center field. Back is Bradley. Still going back, and high off the wall. Will fly around second, go to third base with a two run triple. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is the Score North first place twins show live from Bone Basota, the land of 10,000 ranks, where the magic number is 18. Rami Makloff, Derek Wetmore, Judd Zulgad, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. If you don't have that Score North mobile app yet, go and get it because it's currently free. 
but for a possibly limited time. So act fast. And in addition to streaming all your favorite Score North shows live or downloading and subscribing to them and listening to them upon your own convenience and giving us those sweet, sweet five-star ratings and glowing comments, it's also your one-stop shop for all written content from scorenorth.com, including Twins Thoughts. Tidbits, if you will, from Jake DePew, part of our Twins coverage team, who is in Boston with those First Place Twins and joins us now on the First Place Twins show. How are you this afternoon, Jake? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. We we saw the the utilization of the opener for the first time last night by Rocco Baldelli since becoming the Twins manager and reading your piece at scorenorth.com. You don't seem to think this will be the last time that we see the opener used by the Minnesota Twins in September. No, definitely not. I, I just think the way the starters are struggling to go deep into games uh, and the fact that they called up literally every pitcher on their 40-man <laughs> roster except Steven Gonzalez and Sean Poppin, who they put on the IL, uh, I, I think it, we're going to see a lot more of the type of games that we, that we saw last night, but either, either using an opener or just a full bullpen game. So, Jake, do we just have to accept that it appears, although he might often get the job done, that our new friend Sam Dyson might just be a tightrope guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because he hasn't been he wasn't healthy when he got here, and so that that left a, a you know bitter taste in all of our mouths, and because he had those two horrible uh, performances to start, but. I mean, his numbers are really good. I mean, yep. if you look back at what he's done with San Francisco and Texas, other than that one kind of meltdown year he had in Texas, um, his numbers are really strong. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a ground ball guy. So I think kind of by definition, that's always going to be – those guys are more susceptible to being tightrope guys because they're just going to let more balls, you know, get through and that type of thing. But I think – I view Dyson as the third best reliever um, in that pen, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think after Rogers and Romo, he's my most trusted reliever. If I'm Rocco Baldelli, yeah, that'd be fair to say. Uh, well, it depends what the kid with the big fastball ends up doing. If yeah. he's he can jump him, but um, you you touched on the opener there, Jake. I want to dig a little bit deeper on that. I actually really liked the strategy of starting with Dobnik, putting him on the sheet, and telling Alex Cora this is the guy who's starting the game. And then pulling a Wade Miley with the Brewers and being like, no, just kidding, lefty for three and a third. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. I, I like the strategy. Uh, what did you make of it, and how were the Twins talking about? Two guys that you probably weren't talking a lot about in February now being, you know, primary pitchers in a big game at Fenway. Yeah, so I, I love the strategy, and, and I think I thought it was interesting that they brought in the lefty, like you were just saying, because there's there's sort of this gentleman's agreement, I think, in baseball that that the primary pitcher is going to be the same hand, you know, right-handed or left-handed, the same handedness as the opener, and the Twins went away from that. So, I, you know, I thought that was that was really interesting. Um, but Dobnik, man, what an incredible story that guy is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, everybody knows the story, I think, by now. But independent ball and worked his way up, and he's pitching at Fenway Park and striking out, you know, Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez to get out of that first inning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was great, and, and Thorpe was good until he lost control. Uh, but the way that they're talking about it is, it, it, it sure, I mean, you guys know that Rocco isn't going to tip his hand, but it, it sure sounds like this is not the last time uh, we're going to see it. And, and the fact that it worked out so well, other than, you know, that Jermé hanging breaking ball, which we've seen before, hmm. you know, other than that pitch, it worked out extremely well for them. And so it just makes sense what the starters struggling to, to do this more frequently. Yeah. No, it was, it was fun to see. It was fun to see them try something not new, but you know, relatively new. And the 2019 group hasn't really done it uh, in part because of great health and all that, but okay. Lewis Thorpe lefty from Australia, we don't know much about him before this year other than that he's a prospect and he's been hurt a couple of times. And now here he is pitching in big moments for the Twins as they try to close out the American League Central. What's your, well, let me ask it this way. Your level of confidence in Lewis Thorpe, do you think he could be that second lefty in the bullpen in October based on everything you know about him and uh, and his minor league track record? I do to a certain extent. My concern with Thorpe is he just has a lot of control issues, and he's had control issues throughout the minor leagues. You know, his ERA in AAA this year was over five, um, so it's not like he was exactly dominating there. Um, he's got really good stuff, as you saw last night. He's definitely capable of, of striking out uh, a lot of hitters, but I, I do worry about 
the, the control, especially if he's coming in, you know, if he's coming in in like the sixth inning of a playoff game with men on base, you know, you have to worry about the wild pitch. Uh, you have to worry about the walks. So um, I think he has that potential and he's definitely kind of, he's risen quickly. Um, well, not quickly because he was injured, but he's risen through the system sort of anonymously. He's kind of like Luis Rami, can you shine in? Luis? Arise! That's very Thank good. You. You're a veteran Thank there, you. too. The show. Jake knows the show. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like him in the sense that he wasn't really talked about that much and then just sort of popped onto the scene and is doing well. So, yeah, I think he has that potential, but, okay. but again, I do worry about the control issues. Have you ever seen a ball at Fenway Park hit where Miguel Sano hit that ball last night, Jake? No. So I've that was crazy. So I, I've covered maybe 15 games there and, and been a fan at another 20 or so, and I have never seen anything go up there. And Rocco Baldelli, after the game, said uh, that he had never seen a ball land there either. Um, so yeah, that was insane. And it, I guess the only thing that I can think is that you know if they had a roof on that. On that puppy, that ball would have traveled even farther. Oh, man. So, wow, you really know the show. Insider. I like Jake. I like Jake a lot. Well, I think that was a little, a little bit of a dig, actually. I think he's mocking I you. I think Jake is very good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really uh, interesting roof take that you guys have. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually more on Rami's side than you guys probably think, but that's a different discussion for another day. Yeah, um, that's fair. But, uh, no, I, I've never seen a ball hit there. And I asked to know about it after the game. And, uh, you know, he said he was sitting on the high fastball uh, from Porcellus. So I think, you know, he, he was waiting for that pitch. But I asked him if it was the longest home run he'd ever hit. And he just kind of scoffed and said, no, I've, I've, hit, a, I've hit several 500-foot home runs. So, I don't know. We'd have to go back and check the data to see if he's actually right there. But <laughs> that, that was an one, absolute shot. Yeah, that one was memorable. It really I mean it was, you know, 10 feet from hitting off that scoreboard in straightaway center. It was unbelievable. Hey, and any feel from uh talking to Baldelli about when Buxton might be able to start swinging a bat and not just coming in uh, Jake DePew as a defensive replacement? Yeah, they've been pretty tight-lipped on that. I I think since he came back from rehab uh with Cedar Rapids, it it sounds like he's not really swinging a bat yet at all. So my, I mean, this is just my guess, but I would say it's going to be maybe towards the end of the next homestand that he yeah. starts swinging about. And what's going to be interesting is, so they brought him in as a defensive replacement in the eighth uh, last night. And, you know, at some point they're going to bring him in as a replacement and his spot is going to come up in the order. Uh, you know, and so what, what's going to happen in that situation? Are they going to have to pinch hit for him? Is he going to just bunt? Like at, at some point this is going to, bite them um that being said i mean he's a great weapon to have out there and i would be doing the same thing that they are i know judd disagrees but uh i think it's risky yeah well it's risky in the sense that he's going to run into that he could run into a wall Correct. But, i mean he could he could do that at any time right? can do that at arby's will. can he pitch run to or or is, is just uh simply confined to only being a defensive replacement uh he can pinch run is what they're saying i think the issue with Bucks and pinch running is that he always slides head first. And so he, he said the other day that he's had to teach himself how to slide uh, feet first. Um, so that, that could be an issue. And they have Ian Miller. So Ian Miller hasn't even appeared in a game yet. Um, I actually talked to him yesterday, and he's definitely on cloud nine to be in the big leagues. I don't think he saw any of this coming. Um, but, you know, he stole 30-something bags uh, this year in the minors, and, and that's basically why they traded for him. So they traded for him right after Buxton got hurt. Yep. And it was pretty. I think it was pretty clear that they saw him as kind of a September call-up who can be a pinch runner. So my guess is they'd actually insert him before Buxton, at least while Buxton is still kind of on the mend. Jake, I would be remiss if I did not ask you while we have you on the phone from Boston, uh, home of the Twins Red Sox series at Fenway Park. I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about the guy whose name I struggled to pronounce, but I'm going to try on the radio in the in the spirit of getting better at things. What do you think will be the role through the rest of September and into October for Twins pitching prospect Brewster Greterol? That's pretty good. Wow. That was that was impressive. I watched the video a lot, and I, I'm trying. It's it is going to get better, but Jake, I've been making fun of myself for how Minnesotan I've pronounced it over the years. That yeah. Brewsdar Gratterall's got a pretty good chance, don't you think? <laughs> exactly. Um, I yeah. With with, can you say it for me, Derek? I'll try. Brewsdar Gratterall reps, man, reps. Work that muscle memory. Keep working on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with him, I, 
you know, I talked to Balvi before the game, and I was actually, I wanted to talk to him because I wanted to ask him why they didn't call up Jorge Alcala, because I thought they were going to call him up West Gretarol. God, that's horrible. I'm not even going to try to say it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they didn't, even though Alcala had really good numbers. And so I, I kind of asked him, you know, why didn't you call him up? And he basically said, we only want to call up guys who we think can make a real impact, and we felt Alcala wasn't quite there yet. So my sense is that they called up Bruzdar, uh, to uh, to make a real impact. So I think they'll probably bring him in in low leverage situations, you know, in the first part of the month. But if he continues to pitch the way he did uh, in Detroit, I mean, I think he has a real shot of being on the playoff roster. And if he's on the playoff roster, then you know he he has a chance to make a significant impact. I mean, that you guys all watched. I'm sure that ninth inning, that fastball is legit, and it seems like he has very strong control, and he's had great control in the minors. So. I mean, 100 plays, right? I mean, 100 plays pretty much anywhere. It so. should. So you think he'll start low leverage like the other night, five-run lead in the ninth, and then maybe even work him in into some into some jams and tight spots this month just to see? Yeah, and actually tonight might be a good chance. So I know I just said low leverage, but because they used so many relievers yesterday, tonight might actually be an opportunity if they have maybe a two- or three-run lead to get him in to a little bit of a higher leverage spot just because they are a little bit shorthanded, as shorthanded as you can be with 19 pitchers yeah, on the staff. Right. But, <laughs> yes. you know, if they're going to stay away from, you know, Duffy, May, Rogers, Dyson, etc., you know, Gratterall might get the fifth or sixth inning in a, in a relatively close game. And, you know, at Fenway Park, it's a different animal, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he responds if he does get that chance. That's Jake Depew covering the Twins in Boston for Score North. Find his work at scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. And our guest for the last few minutes here on the Score North First Place Twins show. Appreciate it, Jake. Good work, man. Thank you, Jake. All right, thanks, guys. I'm going to try to find Dave Jombrowski and tell him to put a roof on Fenway. <laughs> Do it. Awesome idea. Do it. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's right, Jake. Cool. See you. Great thanks, stuff, Jake. Jake. Awesome. And you can read his twin stuff at scorenorth.com and follow him on Twitter at Jake Depew. Baseball sound. We, we've t- talked about for a long time now the just the how great it the crack of the bat is. Like the mm-hmm. Sano home run, right? I've got a Fenway Park sound, and I tweeted about this last night. The thud of the ball hitting the monster. Oh, they got just so dead. many microphones in that thing. <laughs> but when the ball just hits it dead yes. on and it goes boom, boom. It's yeah, actually it's really, really cool. Totally. Yeah. It's like a cannon because they have 60 yep. boom mics planted really? in the wall. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know that. that I haven't too. seen it, but like you watch a game and you're like, I know what a baseball hitting a wall sounds like. Yeah, no, it's like a, it's an audible kathunk. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like the it, Fenway kathunk. It's like boom. <laughs> That's why we talked about in if Mauer played in that park all those years, how many doubles he would have had just destroying that wall. I'm trying to think. They would have had to replace the microphones eventually. Yes. Because coming in, coming back from this segment i played the jay cave the two-run triple that was hit high off the wall i'm trying to should i play it back to see if we got one of those thud type of do it coming out of the break let's okay. let's play that coming out of the break i do want to hear what are you showing that, me right now is that a baseball that's mark? the monster so i i went to a game with dawn a three-game series against seattle last june at fenway and got a tour the day oh off. my god and the ball the baseball makes little indents basically this is an indent of a baseball in the Green Monster. You should tweet that. It, it looks fake because... It looks too small. It, and it's got but the seams it on it. it. And it's like somebody painted it on, you is know what? what it looks like. I'll see, if I can, I'll see if I can tweet it right now. That is how a baseball leaves an imprint. I played catcher growing up, and I would have bruises you know, from blocking balls in the dirt. I'd have bruises up and down my forearms with baseball stitches in them. Oh, like it was, <laughs> I've seen those. That's gross. <laughs> they are gross. Now, that, yeah, that's not cool. That's gross. <laughs> this is cool because it's a, it's a, the wall. It's all just the great. people who did it's that. It's the wall. It's not a body part. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, man. Catchers of all sorts at any level and every professional baseball player, I've decided, Tougher than me. You think so? Tougher than me. Oh, catchers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tougher than you? Yeah. <laughs> you think? Than you? Yeah, no. I, I am going to put myself out there and say that's a 100% fact. I loved playing catcher, man. I loved it. So you had a little bit uh, something? Oh, yeah. No, I was I was the kid, like, even when I wasn't Maybe playing sports. Maybe one screw's just, only halfway in? Like, let me see how many times I can run into this wall. Like, I was that kid. Like, okay, there didn't right. have to be a game involved. Like, okay. I was all about violence. The beating and, they take, though, and the foul tips yeah, off the yeah. helmet, and I just... Bats the off mask. the helmet on and the they, backswing. And they yeah. used to have this disgusting play called the catcher collision, where you just blow somebody up at loved home it. plate. Even when I was a catcher, I loved it. <laughs> Bring it on. You see? 
Rami's my guy. <laughs> I would have bowled him right over, knocked him into the undeck and then circle. And high five and scored the, yeah. No, we wouldn't have. <laughs> Bro hugged and gone out for beers. No, no, like, that no, was no. Awesome. No, you're no. That's a lot of contact for a germaphobe, Rami. But there, here that's we go. okay. I'm going to tweet this out right now. That's at Jay Zolgad if you want to yes, see the, the picture image. of the baseball imprint on the green wall. On the green it. monster. I'm doing it right now. Cool. All right. Amazing. Cool. It's great, awesome. Great stuff from Jake. Uh, there's a lot to get into there. I particularly liked his plan for <clears throat> Brewstar Gretarol. I'm glad you're taking the lead on that one. I didn't want to have to be the Brewstar Gretarol guy. Just Gretarol. BG? I've cleaned it up. Big Gretarol. fastball, BG? I've already got to be I, on my toes at any moment <laughs> to say arise I liked how everybody. a phone guest asked you to finish Luis. Jake knows. Arise. I follow Jake on Twitter. He knows all the bits. Amazing. He knows all the bits on this Jake's show. two for two. The roof. The robot umpires, the arise, he's all over it. It's two for two. And he's I, a good follow on Twitter. I particularly, yes, I'm sorry to cut you off all there. Good. At Jake Depew. I, I particularly liked his thing on the reliever with a huge fastball and a nice little slider for strikes and uh, whose initials are BG because that's the exact plan that I think the Twins should be going with. In fact, I was watching MLB Network earlier today and Prospect. Guy, Jonathan Mayo, I believe that's on his business card. I think it's his official title, prospect guy, said the exact same thing, that the Twins should start him in low leverage because keep in mind he's 22, but that if this goes well, how many guys can boast a 100-plus mile-per-hour fastball with blow-you-away stuff? Said. Even said the, the exact same thing. Like yeah. Even in these days where every reliever comes out of that bullpen throwing 96-plus with movement, like, this is special, and if the Twins can harness it and use it as a late-inning reliever, more power to them. All, they'll be all the better for so it. So what's the step then from from easing him in and basically starting out by saying, are, are you comfortable enough to do this at all, to upping the pressure? Be, yeah. be, because you can't you can't get to game two of the playoffs and be like, well, you were pitching against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago, and that was awesome, so go do it against the Astros, right? <laughs> go get Jordan Alvarez, Jose yeah. Altuve, so and that? George Springer. So, so well, What's that fairly quick incline then? So I think we saw the first part of it, which is that he comes out in Detroit, five-run lead, and he didn't throw up on himself. Absolutely, and, and he got double play ball, yeah. And and I mean that in the, the, like, I don't mean that to be pejorative. I mean, some guys come out and you see them and you're like, is he going to be okay? Somebody have to go talk to him just to make sure... He seemed, anyways, Tre- fine. Trevor May, first time he came in in his career against in the Oakland, A's, yeah. couldn't handle it. Oh, my God, that was a disaster. And it looked, but that's what Derek's talking about. That's looked, what you're talking about. We yeah. all watched the game, and we thought, is uh, is this normal? Or right. somebody have to go talk to him, calm him down? Now, they did do that at uh, Comerica, but they didn't have to, necessarily. Yeah. A couple guys on base. Wes Johnson's like, hey, uh... Spanish translator, Elvis, let's go. Let's go talk to the kid. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Everything good? Here's the secret. Throw your fastball and throw it for strikes. All right? Good. That was it. That was his, you know, sort of baptism into the big leagues. I'm fine with you say fairly quickly. I'm fine with that. Ramp it up. Now you've got a six and a half game lead. Cleveland lost last night with Mike Clevenger on the mound. That's a big loss. Against Dylan Cease, the guy who the Twins lit up like a Christmas tree just a week before, his previous start. Twice in a month, they annihilated him. And he just went and beat the Indians. So your lead is now six and a half. You're going to win close to 100 games or more. I think that it's okay to ramp him up, even if it's in a pressure spot and it doesn't go well. I think it's perfectly fine now. Figure out what you have in that. That's what I meant. And if he's just like the fifth or the sixth guy and it's not going to be a David Price or Michael Waka situation, okay, hey, that's fine. But you learned, at least you had the opportunity to figure out if he can be that guy, because the upside is there, man. I think we all see it. You see that upside, and it's like, that could be one of your weapons in October. No, it's hard not to get carried away when you see the upside. Like, totally. I, 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 I want to I put a lot on Gretarol, like, right now. I know that's not the smart thing to do, but, like, my knee-jerk reaction, I see a horse get up on the mound and pump 100 across the plate, and I want to see more of that guy, and I want to see him in high-leverage situations. Where's he on your trust tree right now, Rami? 
Because I have a I have a specific spot that he lands and he has to climb fourth? in my mind to get there. Fourth, fourth, okay. He can't qualify. He's yet. lower than that for he me. Can't, he can't fourth, qualify fifth? yet. In, in fairness to him, I I need to see more. Yeah, I I just don't know. You can't. I to love me. the I love the stuff, but I can't I can't put him on, on a trust tree until until I tempt he's him just a to see if the trust oh, he's works. Not even on the tree. No, but I, not because he's done something wrong. I just need to. This is my point about. Upping the pressure because I need to find out. Yeah, if I can five put, runs at, if I can Detroit. put him on that tree, sure, this is a different ball game. And, and then and then we take another step to hey Taylor, I really don't have to pitch you back to back days. I can You're do it right. I can set bullpen wise everything up to my specifics. Right, right. So for me, the trust tree is Rogers, Romo, Dyson, Duffy, May, BG. Bruce Dars after that for me, but you can see at the end of that, I, I oh he's going to jump. I heard other... you gasp there. I he is. I'm with you. If he pitches well yeah. and in, but you're saying pressure what spots. Saying. That's you're, right. You're not really putting him on he's there yet to until climb. we find out. He's allowed to climb because Whereas, he immediately goes past May and Duffy. Not because Duffy's done something wrong, but because with that stuff, as Smalley said, and as Jake just said, and everyone who knows baseball said, 100 miles an hour plus plays. It, it just flat out plays. It should. It should. Unless you can't throw a strike. And or if, you if it's straight and guys are just dialed in and you don't have secondaries. But he has secondaries. Right. It looks like. I mean, it looks like this guy is a I liked, potential lights out reliever. I liked the, the note that you said that you sent that I think Mayo talked about. I actually like the idea of toying with Gratterall as an opener to apply that pressure. High I, leverage inning. I like the idea. And he was a former starter. Yes, maybe future starter too. But well, he probably is. But well, for but, now, but that sounds that sounds. If you put him in the next eleven games, let's say you use him as an opener in I don't know the Cleveland series or something. I oh, like boy. the idea. Okay, it's pressure, but you got to find out. And, and as this lead continues to hold firm, unless it just dissipates very quickly, which I don't think it's going to. But let's say it holds at six or five plus or something. No sweat. Yeah, you're not going to be like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. It cost us. Which is why last night. Last night, you sort of said to yourself, we're taking a chance here. But back to the main point, to back up Barrios, it was worth the chance. It was a smart It was a smart gamble. And guess what? It worked, too. Yeah. But it was a smart gamble. And I think having Gratterall open, let's say, against Cleveland or Washington, and saying, okay, kid, let's see it. And if he completely pukes, you're like, okay, that was interesting. But if he doesn't, that was you say, whoa. <laughs> and I don't think they have as long a leash for Thorpe if they don't have a six-run lead. I think that was just... Agreed. Like, we can ride him a little bit get longer and save the rest of the arms. He can, he'll can he get some outs in between these runs. It was, we need to get to 27 of them. How are we going to do it tonight? Right. I feel like I need to hit the panic button every time Judd says uses the word interesting now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now that I've said this, Rami, interesting. and listeners of the Score North First Place Twin Show, you're going to hear it everywhere. We're just going to hear Judd, we're just going to hear Judd say, yeah, that was interesting. I actually call it instructive a lot, too. Bad things are yeah. instructive because they teach you sure. lessons. This is a really interesting 2-6 and six start by the Vikings. It's really interesting how their quarterback has played in this stretch. I was out there today. Really? I'm, I bet you'll have some thoughts on that. I was uh, later today. I was I was breaking down the art of the hold with Colquitt, the new punter, <laughs> of holding a field goal kick. Yes, or I, an I, extra. Oh, point. that you meant like pitching in what? the seventh inning and no, keeping the score. The, where the thing, Mac, the thing Mackie said was easy. Yes. I, oh, okay. I asked him. I, I said we've been talking about this a, a lot. I'm going to tell you right now. To me, it looks simple. Let's talk about it later on Mackie and Jen with Robbie because I, Dan, Danny Cunningham is going to be in on the show today. He has either I think he has held field goals before. I think he said he's held but not long snapped. Yes, and said Phil Mackey is crazy. So we'll get into that on Mackie and Jen which with is Rami beside the point. I mean, that's later just this true. afternoon. Are there any baseball things that you guys could do? Mm, and look, Jason Stark. Jason Stark will join us at 4.20. No, are, are you oh, saying oh, you for mean like, on the field? I thought you meant field. on the I'm, show today. I'm really looking forward to Jason Stark at 4.20. I wouldn't miss it no, for I the No, I was world, looking at, the, I have but, the rundown for Mackie and Judd with Robbie <laughs> in front of me today, and not, not a lot of baseball. But I, no, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm this, this is how the whole thing started, is Matthew Collar said, could a normal person in street clothes do something on an NFL field if you put them in pads and a helmet without making it obvious I, they're just a, a, a person? I haven't done it in a long time. 
But I used to be pretty good at picking him over at first base. I think that's something throw behind the runner. I think that's something I can no actually picking him out of the oh, dirt. scooping. Yeah, okay. scooping him out CJ of the Kron. dirt. Yeah, CJ Cron. Pretty good at that. That's something I was always pretty good at. And didn't really have to practice. I think that's something you either can just do or you can't do. Do, do you close your eyes and do nope. the scoop move? Which is you <laughs> hey, scoop the ball. Hey, I got it. <laughs> or do you actually look it in? Eyes open and I look it in. Really? And I and I use and I used a scoop move. Like I said, I haven't he done it in a while. Contact. I'm not saying I can still I'm do gonna, it. But that was something I did at a at a pretty high level at one well, time. You could get blown up by oh, a runner coming around third base trying to score. If give me catcher's gear, I'll I am, you could get just knocked flat. I am texting Miguel Sano right now. My friend Ronnie <laughs> wants to work with you on scooping the baseball. Like I said, I don't know future first baseman. That's I don't know how much you can teach that. We are so late for a break. We'll That's talk, really interesting. We'll talk more about this uh, right after a short break on the Score North First Place Twins Show, live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, magic number 18, and we're back after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. You aren't into Minnesota sports. Talk to the mitten. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. All right, score north download time. It is 152. I'm Manny Hill, and this download brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. And we all know about that big home run Miguel Sano hit at Fenway Park last night. Well, let's hear from Rocco Baldelli on that massive moonshot that the big man hit last night at Fenway. Oh, and he's not just getting to them. He's not just, you know, slapping them around and putting them in play. I mean, he's doing he's doing damage on some of those pitches. Um, you know, he made that that swing adjustment it's it's meant everything to him and it's uh it's real and you know what he did uh what he did to that baseball out there is you know i've seen a lot of games here i've never seen a ball go up there in my life yeah i don't think too many people have mr baldelli yeah that's uh what 27 home runs on the season for the big man uh he's hitting the ball pretty well that's your score north download as we continue on for one final segment of the Score North First Place Twin Show. Live from Bomba Soda, the land of 10,000 rakes, where the magic number is 18. Rami Makhlouf, Judd Zolgad, Derek Wetmore. And uh, the Indians lost last night in addition to a Twins win. That's what put the magic number from 20 to 18. And Derek, we were talking before the break, and you said that was a double loss for Cleveland? Double or talking loss. during the break, I should say. it. How is it a double loss? Well... Any loss at this point in the schedule hurts Cleveland's chances, of course. And, you know, Cleveland needs all of the help that it can get at this point. I I think even when it was a close race, you kind of looked at it and said, well, but if Cruz gets back and the Twins can right the ship starting pitching, this is going to be a fun race. Uh, One of the factors in that was Mike Clevenger being one of the best pitchers in baseball, as he has been. I mean, an amazing year for that guy. Uh... Pitched like an ace last year, came back and backed it up this year. He actually lowered his ERA. Well, now every time he starts, you are going to be expecting, you know, that Cleveland wins that game. If you're the Indians, you are circling much like we were doing with Jose Barrios in Minnesota in, you know, June, saying, oh, that guy's starting today? Okay, this should be a Twins win. Now what happens tomorrow? Cleveland feels that same way about their guy, Clevenger. And he lost last night, and he lost to the White Sox. And the reason that I say it's a double loss is because on the other side, his mound opponent was Dylan Cease, whom you might remember from that drubbing that the Twins laid on him, and as Judd correctly pointed out, twice in a month, beat up a guy who's got a promising, you know, bright future, definitely a prospect with good stuff and a big arm. But the Twins tattooed him in their win on the road and then Cleveland has to try to go do the same thing to keep pace with their ace on the mound. And uh, both of those things were working. They they were working for Cleveland, and Cleveland still lost. That's why I consider it a double loss. Yeah, that was one that going into it, they sh- you looked at it, and Quote obviously unquote, you think they should have won. Should have won. And as the game was going on, you're looking at it and going, this is a game that they should probably win. Yeah, it was an interesting game for the Cleveland Indians. Barrios tonight. Very interesting. Expectation for pitching line. I just told Rami in the first hour, Judd, that this is the best start of Barrios's season. Give me that pitching line. Well, it's still a great lineup, so give me... Right, because it's not going to be a shutout. It's all relative. Give me like six innings and ten strikeouts with... He'll give up a couple runs. It's Boston. They're great, great hitting team. So six innings, ten Ks. two runs, ten Ks, two walks. Sure. 
That's not bad. Okay. And it's a nice if you get if you get that, then this move really paid off. And it's a nice bounce back performance. He was he was nice last time right, out, but, but he was in a bad stretch. He was in a bad stretch. He got a big lead, and it wasn't it wasn't lights out like you know he can be. That's right. So if this is another step towards that, I'm telling you, my goal my goal here is to get him rehabilitated starting wise to the point of where when you get to your first playoff game you feel comfortable. Sure. I'd really like to not have a knockdown drag out of I'd start Pineda. Right, right. That's not gonna like, be a I'd fun like debate my, to have. I'd like my logic then to be like, oh no you wouldn't I'd be no, like, Pineda's oh no you're right. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it would, which, which would be fine. Sure. But right now, right now as we have this conversation, I don't feel comfortable starting Brios in game one. I want that I want my mind to be changed. Because Houston's having that same conversation fighting about who starts game one, but that's because they can't wait to start three different guys in October. So that's that's the difference. Not kidding. And I said I said this is going to be his best start, kind of just to be a hot take guy, kind of just dialing up the spice on the Pico de Gallo a little bit, um, actually put a little cayenne pepper in there. But I do think that this is a nice performance for Brios. I think he pitches better with five days, even better with six days rest, but I'm also being realistic. Just get him back to being Brios, get his stuff back, get him feeling strong again. Let him march through September, and the more rest you can give him, the better. Because when you really need him, guys, is October. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Yeah, as this division lead grows and or the magic number shrinks, you would think, and Jake touched on this a little bit, we're going to see more bullpen days and more more ways to get Barrios and the rest of whoever you think your starting rotation in the postseason will be as much as as much rest as you can give them throughout September. That was, right. that was fun, boys. That was fun. It's fun talking Let's about a first see, place uh, team. Yet, yet another exciting game tonight. It's fun to watch these games. And we will be back tomorrow with another Score North first place Twins show. Perk tomorrow, right? To Glenn talk Perkins about on that baseball. one. Glenn Perkins on baseball tomorrow at noon. And uh, coming up right after this, it's Purple Daily. Matthew Collar talking Vikings with you as he does Monday through Friday at 2 right here on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.